The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Hello and welcome to Fearless Fabulous You. I'm your host, Melanie Young. I am so glad you're joining me on the Women for Women Network. And uh, if you're listening on iHeart or one of the 30 podcast channels that this show airs, welcome and thank you for joining me. So I am going to talk about the art of communication. Actually, it's not an art, it's a skill. And I'm going to tell you why I decided to focus on this topic today. For several reasons. One, I am a communications expert. I spent, I have spent over 30 years uh, working in public relations as a communication specialist, helping share uh, the stories of my clients to the world through the media. And that work, that practice involves uh, listening to clients, carefully listening to clients, writing their stories up in a way that is compelling to the media outlet that you're pitching, whose audience will be reading or following the story and crafting your words carefully so that they resonate. And I've been doing this for over 30 years. Uh, I no longer have an agency, but I still am a communications specialist and I host a podcast where I have conversations with interesting people all the time. And I have to tell you, even after 35 years, running an agency that specializes in communications, I've learned so much having guests on this show, learning to ask questions that are thoughtful and develop perspective. And I have been a guest on many other radio shows where I have had some hosts ask me thoughtful, well thought out questions and others who I clearly know didn't read my book or understand my topic. And you can tell the difference. I believe when I have a guest on my show that I honor them by doing my homework, by reading the book, by reading their story, by looking at other interviews they've conducted. That's how I run today. I don't have a guest. Uh, it's going to be me. My voice is a little scratchy. I'm not sure why. So bear with me as I discuss the art of conversation. Now that was one reason. The second reason I decided to touch on this is that my mother who recently passed in December, 2022 was also a communication specialist and taught public speaking at the local university of Tennessee at Chattanooga. She basically taught people to be better speakers Now, being a better speaker doesn't mean you're a great conversationalist. I love my mother, but I think she was a far better speaking professional and speaker than a communicator with each other. Her conversations tended to be one-sided, more about her, because there is an art to being a conversationalist, a really good conversationalist, which I'm going to address. And finally, and the third reason is that I recently spent two weeks in a small van with eight other people. 
One I knew well because he was my husband, so we don't have to have a lot of conversation. But the others were all new and strangers to me. Uh, They all worked for a wine company. And I was amused when our host, who owned the wine import company, Fran Casella, sent out a missive uh, when he sent out our travel document. We were his guests on this amazing trip around France. And he said, be aware that you are going to be traveling in a small van with nine people. It can get things can get touchy and sensitive. Avoid conversation topics like, and he gave us a list of things not to talk about, like sex, religion, politics, you know, anything that's considered controversial. So I thought to myself, well, I'm going to be with these people. I don't know anything about them. I'm going to zip my lip and be a better listener. Now that's hard for me because I love to talk, but I've also learned that sometimes you just want to zip your lip and be a better listener. And as we all came to know each other in that cramped van over two weeks, many meals and lots of uh, hours spent together, I learned to ask the right questions to make them feel more at ease with me and for me to make me feel more at ease with them because we were clearly from different parts of the industry that we work in and had different agendas for why we were on this trip. So those are the three reasons I decided that I would focus on, well, actually there's a fourth. The fourth is my husband, Dave and I recently attended uh, a couple of days ago, a big gala fundraiser in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we currently are. And it was for breast cancer. It was for a wonderful organization called the Mary Ellen Loger Foundation, which helps women who have been diagnosed with breast cancer. I am a breast cancer survivor. I have been a proud speaker at one of the Mary Ellen Loger Foundation events to uh, speak about my experience and promote my book. But that experience being a speaker at an event is far different than being around what seemed like over a thousand people of which I knew exactly two. And Dave and I sat there trying to figure out how we were going to meet people because I was there to actually cover the event for the local newspaper. I offered to do it. And I realized I was in an audience. I knew nobody. And I'm so used to being around people that I know because usually I'm hosting the event or I'm part of an industry event where everyone knows me that the ability to have a conversation just flows naturally. But here we were clearly a minority. Nobody knew who we were. And it was hard. It was a struggle to meet people. And for that reason, and that is the last reason, I decided to focus on the art of not only the conversation, but breaking the ice to get to know people, because I think a lot of us don't quite know how to do it. And now we're all wrapped up in a world where everyone's sending brief texts and LOLs and ROIs and all sorts of, you know, acronyms for things that I don't think we've, I think a lot of us have forgotten how to have a real conversation, like pick up the phone and have a conversation, like sit over a table and have coffee and dinner with somebody and have a conversation and get off your phones and have a real conversation. And it is very important. It's especially important if you want to get a job, uh, you want to meet someone, you want to have more friends, and you want to feel at ease and make people feel at ease wherever you are. So I'm going to go over some tips, general tips, and then some scenarios to help you be a better conversationalist. And here's my first tip. Well, the first is always be courteous. Even if you've had a bad day or if you've had a bad day, 
zip your lip and don't be a complainer. Nobody wants to be around a complainer. I lived in New York forever. I got to tell you, people in New York have mastered the art of complaining. They know how to complain better than anybody. But when I go back and visit New York or other places and people are complaining, I immediately tune out and don't want to get to know the person. It, it sets a bad impression. They say the first impression is the most important. Uh, I've goofed up a lot of first impressions on job interviews, admittedly, because uh, Believe it or not, I could be shy sometimes and I'll stumble over words. I think you need to make a lasting impression. So I think you get a, you, you do get another chance. They say you don't have a second chance to make a first impression. I disagree with that. I think you can start again and the key is to make a nice lasting impression. So when you leave the room or the meeting or the party or the dinner, they say, wow, that person was so nice, so courteous, so thoughtful, so Interesting. I want to get to know that person better or see that person again. So courtesy will get you everywhere. Being polite and having good manners. That means, you know, introducing yourself. Do you know how many times I meet wine producers and other people when I travel and no one ever introduces themselves? They just start talking. No one ever welcomes us. They just start talking about work and what they're doing. Always introduce yourself. If Even if you think they've met you before, and goodness knows I've done this, I'll say, it's good to see you. I want to meet you. I don't know if you remember me. My name is Melanie Young, and this is my husband, David Ransom. And they'll say, oh, we've met 25 times, and I'll laugh and say, I just want to make sure because I know you know a lot of people. I always try to make them feel at ease. And by making them feel at ease, I feel more at ease. That's a con you know, good conversation breaker. So number one, Always be courteous. Number two, and number two is always let people know what your name is and ask people what their name is if you don't know them. Always introduce yourself. And if you know them already and you already know each other, then start with, it's good to see you again. How have you been? And if you saw them yesterday, it's good to see you again today. Always create a a point of reference when you see somebody. If you don't know them, introduce yourself and say, it's nice to meet you. What is your name? If you know them already, say, it's good to see you. How have you been? If you know they haven't been doing so, go, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Any news in your life? Start it with an open-ended question and say, it's really good to see you again. I, I've, I see people all the time, sometimes I see them every day. Like when I was on this uh, trip, every day I saw the people send day. Every morning I said, good morning, how are, you, how are you doing? Did you have a nice sleep? Are you excited about the day? I always create that positive, courteous introduction to the conversation, which is the other. Be courteous, be positive, keep it upbeat. Don't start a conversation with complaining about the weather, complaining about the subway, apologizing for being late. Start with an upbeat. Even if you are late, if you are grievously late saying, I'm really sorry to being late, but I'm so happy I made it because this meeting, this time with you is so important. Just quickly apologize and move on to why you want to be with this person. Don't belabor and complain. The subway was late. The train was late. The cab driver is rude. Nobody cares. Just say, I'm really sorry I'm late. I'm so glad I finally made it. This means so much to me. And I hope we still have the same amount of time. And if not, let me know because maybe you are late and maybe you do need to, you know, watch your time, but always keep it on the up, 
be courteous and be positive because that is the number one thing you should do to open up a conversation. And that opens it up because if you're not that, and if you are rude and you are complaining, you're not focused, that closes the person down. Now, the third thing is, and I think this is interesting, is if you want to be a great conversationalist, start by being a good listener. Remember when I said that my mother, uh, Sonia, was an excellent university professor teaching public speaking? She was. She taught many students how to have better elocution, how to choose their words better, how to speak directly, how to command attention in a room, how to convey what they want to say, how to get their message across. And that is wonderful for great speaking tactics. But it's not necessarily going to make you a great conversationalist. I truly believe my mother was, as she always said, hard of listening. She liked to talk about herself. She liked to talk about all the wonderful things she did. She liked to talk about how wonderful she was. She liked to talk about herself and her charities. And, and very rarely would she ever ask, like, how are you doing? Or glad that you get a word in edgewise to say how you were doing. So, to be a really good listener, you can't have a one-way conversation, which is you talking and you not listening. So here are some ways that is essential for you to be a good listener, which will reflect back on people who will say, wow, that person was a great conversationalist. You may not have said a thing, but you may have listened to them and let them speak. And they'll think, wow, that was a great conversation because that person got this talk. So number one, listen. Listen. Don't be a distracted listener. This is so important, whether you're talking to someone face-to-face, -face, look that person in the eye. Don't be doing something with juggling papers or looking at your phone or kind of looking over that person's shoulder if it's a party to see who's coming in the door. That's a big problem in the public relations world. You always have someone looking over your shoulder to see who the next more important person is coming in the room. Make that person feel they are the only person in the room and your attention is totally focused on them. That means looking them in the eye maybe complimenting them on what they're wearing or how their hair is, asking them how they are, speaking slowly, and letting them respond. Pause. Pausing is good. Ask a question and pause and let the person respond. It's especially important when you're doing a virtual conversation. How many times... And I have to confess, I'm guilty. How many times have you been on a conversation by phone or on a Zoom or, or um, a computer call and you can hear the other person tapping away on their keyboard? Or you can hear them talking to someone else or you can hear someone talking to them. That's rude. And I have done it myself and I'm trying really hard not to do it again. Usually, here's the thing. If you are that busy, and you need to be typing while you're talking to someone, then you shouldn't be talking to that person. You're either to talk to that person or not type, but not do both. Unless the conversation requires you to take notes. And then you say, do you mind if I take notes while we're talking? This may mean I'm going to be tapping on my keys, but I want to let you know ahead of time so you know that I'm fully attentive to you while taking notes of what you're saying. 
be open and honest about it, but don't be rude and distracted because it makes the other people feel unappreciated and undervalued. And what they have to say doesn't really matter. And I got to tell you, so many people do that. So many people will talk. I'll catch my husband doing it. I'll be talking to my husband. I'll be looking at his phone. And so we're trying really hard to put our phones down so that we can talk to people and listen to each other. Another thing, and this is very important, is avoid making judgments before you speak to someone based on how they look and what they're wearing. I know that this is a big problem and it leads to a lot of sensitivities and insensitivities. Uh, if any sense of judgment comes through, it will reflect on you and make the other person feel ill at ease. And here's an example. Uh, the other day, a young man came to our house to give us an estimate for cutting down trees. And it was clear he was having a difficulty expressing himself. I could tell that he had a speech impediment, but I let him talk. I didn't interrupt. I let him talk, but he was having some frustration. And so I repeated what he said just to say, you know, just want to make sure. And I would politely repeat it. And he agreed. And finally he said, you know, I, I stutter. I have a, I have a speech impediment and I stutter. And I said, uh, I understand. And that's okay. I said, my mother worked with people all the time, children all the time who had uh, speech and hearing impediments. She was a speech pathologist, just pathologist. And I spent a lot of time with children my age who had speech impediments. So I understand and it's okay. I, I can hear you loud and clear. And I just want to repeat to make sure I fully understand. And he felt so at ease. And I told, you know, I made him feel that it's okay. And he, he did a great job cutting down the trees, by the way. And so I thanked him and gave him a great review. But that's an example of avoid making judgments if somebody's having trouble, difficulty seeing or talking or expressing themselves. Try to make them feel at ease. If they're improperly dressed um, and they're or they're doing something behaviorally that is making people uh, uncomfortable and making you feel uncomfortable, then think long and hard about how you want to handle it. If they're making you feel uncomfortable and you're in a situation where you cannot move away from the person, keep the conversation light and pleasant and brief and end it by saying, it's been very nice to speak to you, but I, I have an appointment or I need to move on to the next um, person I need to speak with right now. If someone is being rude to you, a phone call perhaps, or someone's arguing with you, uh, it's okay to cut them off and say, uh, I'd love to talk further, but I have an appointment. Uh, this happens to me frequently. I've had people uh, come up to me after my mother's death to talk to me about what am I doing with the house? What am I doing with her stuff? Prying, basically. They're trying to be friendly, but frankly, I feel they're prying, which we're going to get into. So I have started to be very firm and polite and say, I don't really have much to share on it at this time. Let's talk about what you're doing and how you're handling things. 
So I always, if I don't like where the conversation is going, I flip it back to that person and start asking them questions. And that is a very big tactic in public relations. Example, if you're being interviewed and you feel the interview or the conversation is getting too personal or is venturing on a topic that you're not comfortable addressing, or starting to feel antagonistic, or anything where you don't feel comfortable, just say, you know, I'd love to change the topic. Uh, I'd be more comfortable talking about another topic right now. It's been, I appreciate your interest, but let's change the subject. And have a few things ready to, to, to flip, flip back or pivot back to that person. For example, it's been really, you know, I, I appreciate your interest in how am I doing after my mother's death and am I going to be selling the house, but I'm not really prepared to discuss the, these things right now. Let's talk about how you're doing and what you're up to now. Uh, always take the conversation back if you're not comfortable where the conversation is going or find yourself an out to leave the conversation and move on. You're never required to be you know, imprisoned in a room with somebody you don't want to be with unless you're imprisoned in a room with somebody you'll be with because you're stuck there in a meeting or something. So let's talk about social situations where you're in a crowd, like I talked about, you don't know anybody, you're feeling a bit intimidated Maybe everybody's dressed, maybe you walked in and you're underdressed, maybe you're overdressed, maybe you just don't know anybody. There's a million reasons to walk in a room and feel naked <laughs> or walk in a room and don't feel like you fit or walk in a room and feel like you fit, but nobody seems to want to talk to you. It's <laughs> kind of what happened to me the other day. So the first thing is don't be afraid to go be bold. Go up to somebody that maybe somebody whose outfit you admire or whose sipping a, a cocktail that looks interesting or uh, is looking at a painting if you're in a museum or something and say, I noticed that you were uh, looking at this painting. Do you know the artist? I love your outfit. Where did you get it? It's quite stunning. I think I did that about five times at the event. <laughs> uh, what are you drinking? How are you enjoying the event? Why, uh, tell, tell, tell us why you decided to attend this event. What is it about this organization or this person that brings you here? These are what we call open-ended questions that actually do require someone to give an answer as in versus a question where the answer is yes or no. Like, are you enjoying yourself? Well, that's not a great question to ask. I mean, it's an okay question. Are you having a good, good time? Well, somebody could say, yes, thank you. So always think about, how, you know, go into an event, much like an interview, when you go into a job interview, always have a list of questions ready. So in a social situation where you don't think you're going to know anybody, always have a, a little mental agenda of your head of fun questions to ask if you get in a spot where nobody's talking to you. I gave you a few already, commenting on someone's outfit, asking how they knew the person who's hosting the event. Asking them how they got involved with the charity, if it's a charity event, if it's a gallery or it's a performance, ask what they think about the artist, what bring, what interests you in this art artist? Or I, I assume you're an art fan like I am, uh, who are some of your favorite artists? Come up with those kinds of questions so that you are ready. 
because sometimes it's the other people who don't know how to start a conversation. So um, I would say come up with like five, maybe six questions to have in your head. This is in social situations. Now, in, in something more formal, like a job interview, you should also have a list of questions that obviously want to be focused on more professional things, such as uh, what is it about this uh, company that you enjoy that makes you want to come and work here every day? How has your career path moved forward at this company? What do you find has been some of the joys of working here? Where do you see this job that I'm interviewing for going in the future? What, in your opinion, makes the right person fit for this job? Come up with those questions. So come up with questions tailored to the moment, to the event, to the occasion and situation and have them in your back pocket and rehearse them. If you're shy, if you really are uncomfortable having conversations, maybe you're shy, maybe you have a speech impediment, maybe you're just not in a good mood, maybe you're feeling down, maybe you're just not feeling your best and you want to improve your behavior because you can't get out of the social situation or the job interview. Practice in front of a mirror. You know, I mean, that's a great way that you have a conversation with yourself. Some other things that are handy is try to stay on top of, particularly when you're meeting people, whether it's business uh, for an interview or in the case of this trip I just did to France, these were all business people. We were in the same business. So it was not a social situation, but it was sort of a social situation because, you know, you learned about people's families and their hobbies. So a couple of things. Uh, stay on top of the news and what's going on in the industry that that person's working in, or maybe they have a hobby they're interested in. And here's, that's a good one too. What are your hobbies? Do you have any hobbies? I mean, people love to talk about their hobbies. I learned on the trip I was just on that one of the people loves to needlepoint. She was needlepointing and I said, Oh, I see you enjoy needlepointing. How long have you been doing it? What kinds of things do you like to needlepoint? Turned out she has a needlepointing Etsy shop, you know? So take it further. Uh, don't pepper people with questions, but just slowly ask them to bring that person out without being overbearing. So staying on top of the news is an important one so that you can always discuss a news topic as long as it's not politics or something political, try to avoid politics and political or religious or anything that make people uncomfortable. But maybe it's about sports. My husband loves to do it. You know, he loves to talk sports or music um, or fashion or whatever. Just stay on top of things because uh, that provides you some nice uh, conversation topics. Just stay away from sensitive things. Um, I have a I always, if I know I'm meeting people or attending someone's event or traveling with people for work or play or attending uh, a charity event, anything, I always, before I step out the door or if it's virtual, stop on, hop on a Zoom, I always do my homework through social media. I always, I do, and it's okay. I think it's actually smart. I look people up. Um, I always look people up to see how they're doing. Uh, if I'm going to be seeing someone or speaking to someone, I look on social media to make sure everything's okay. 
because you don't want to be in a situation where you ask someone how they're doing or did you have a great Christmas? Somebody actually wrote me this. Did you have a great Christmas? Well, no, I didn't. My mother died, but you know, they obviously didn't check my social media feed. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's best to check someone's social media feed just to make sure before you start the conversation, you don't put your foot in your mouth. You want to put your best foot forward, not in your mouth. You want to eat cake and not crow. So do a little homework. Uh, I do that also with my guests on this show and with my other show, The Connected Table. I always not only read all the PR material that's thrown at me because that's always one-sided, obviously trying to promote and sell, which is okay. But I also, I also go and do a little Google search. I'll do check out their social media. I'll do a little Google search and see if I can find interviews and uh, learn more about that person. I got to tell you, I have learned more about people by reading stories and articles about them to prepare for this show and for interviews and for meeting people that ever. And another good example, in addition to this show, is while we were traveling uh, in France, we were visiting 32 wine producers, lucky us. And I only knew one of the producers, two of the producers, actually three of the producers well. The rest were all new to me. But before we even stopped to go and say, introduce ourselves to each producer, I did my homework. I looked up the, the winery on the website. I looked up the family. I looked up everything about the history of the winery. And then I looked up the person we'd be meeting with and looked them up to see if there were any interesting interviews with them. And, and I learned a lot. In one case, we were at a winery called La Ferme Blanche. It was in beautiful Cassis, a small port town in the south of France, known for beautiful white wines. And I looked up Cassis. I looked up to make sure I could have a conversation that, you know, let them know I was interested in the area and could ask questions over dinner because we were having dinner with this uh, winery owner. And during the research I did, I learned that she was an English teacher. She's French. She comes from a wonderful aristocratic family and she was for a time an English teacher. So I, I asked her over dinner, I said, I, I, I read that you taught English. How long did you do that? And what made you decide to come back to run the winery? So that was like my conversation breaker with her to let her know that I was really interested in her story and had done my homework. And I have to tell you, it really opened someone up because they know that they're, you are generally interested in learning about them. And I think that's probably one of my biggest tactics when I interview people or meet people or have a meeting is, is doing my homework. And it works both ways. When I have been interviewed on other people's shows, I'm always honored and appreciative when people say, I read your book, thank you, uh, or I read a recent article you wrote or an interview you did with such and such outlet, or I listened to a radio show interview you did, and I learned the following things about you. And it's always, I feel honored that that person took the time to learn about me before speaking with me. So think about that when you're meeting people. Um, whether it's a, a, a date, a blind date, or a business meeting, or a job interview, or a media interview, or just catching up with people you haven't seen in a long time. Maybe somebody's in town and they say, I'm in town, I'd love to get together. Make sure you know what's going on in their life so that you can uh, have a conversation that is genuine and not be strained. It's so important 
I can't even begin to tell you how important that is uh, so that you're not put in awkward situations. Now, what happens if you are put in an awkward situation? Let's just talk about that. These days, there are many ways to have awkward situations in a conversation. And one of them is addressing people improperly, uh, saying things that maybe imply that you are biased in any way, and sounding insensitive. And, you know, I think we're all learning right now how to be more sensitive and what we say about people and how we address people. Some people I learned in France that nobody's called mademoiselle anymore. Everybody's madame. Uh, I cringe when people refer to, you know, executive assistants as my, my help, my girl. Um, you know, my dad was probably the worst, but he was from another era. <laughs> uh, some people don't want to be known as she or her or him or Whatever, you know, if you're addressing someone or you don't know how to address someone, ask them. Say, I'd lo- I want to make sure I make you feel comfortable. How would you like to be addressed? If they have a long name, don't immediately, like, you know, my name is Melanie. I cringe when people call me Mel. I'm not Mel, I'm Melanie. Ask before you immediately just shorten someone's name or address them in a certain way. It puts them at ease and, and also avoids awkward and awkward continues more than that. If it, what if somebody says something that really gets your gander up? It's like, you know, uh, insensitive. Uh, and you want to say something. I think it's okay. You know, you could either remain silent or you could speak up. If it's really something that's horrible and other people heard it, uh, whether it's anti-Semitic or racist or biased in any way, I think you have every right to speak up and say. I think that's a very insensitive remark and I would appreciate it if you watched your words more carefully because we don't want to make people uncomfortable here. Somebody may get defensive, but silence is not always golden. If somebody is saying something that really is wrong and is making people uncomfortable or making you uncomfortable, you have every right to speak up and say, this makes us uncomfortable. We need to change the conversation and choose our words better. And choosing words is very important. Think before you speak. I always say chew, C-H-E-W, chew your words slowly and carefully before you spit them out because you can't take them back as easily. And that also goes for emails and texts. If you're really seething and angry about something, take a deep, deep breath before you respond and say something you cannot retract. But if you are angry, say it in a way that you are at peace of what you have to say without downgrading or denigrating anybody else. I know that's hard. Gosh, we've seen so many wrong and right cases of that in television and news and government, etc. You take the upper road. You take the upper road. And as they say, go high, not low. Don't denigrate. Don't denounce. Try not to be negative. Upbeat. Turn the conversation around. And if the conversation is getting negative and uncomfortable, then say, I think we need to turn this conversation around and focus on something that will make everybody more feel at ease right now. 
boom. And if people argue, you know, you have every right to say, this is not a time or place to be argumentative. This is not a debate. This is not a lecture. This is not an argument. It's a conversation. And that's what a conversation is. It's give and take, speak and listen, communicate. Communications is listening, talking, sharing, and bonding, not arguing, lecturing, demanding, or shutting other people up. So if you do want to also be very careful about jokes, you know, I have a relative who tells dirty jokes. My dad used to tell dirty jokes. They're not funny half the time. And a lot of people are put off by jokes, off color jokes. Uh, So why tell them? Unless you're in a a, a group where that's like what they want to do, I'd stay away from jokes. There's so many other things to talk about. Why, why, why get into jokes? Instead, talk about songs you like to, to you know, you know, I, I saw my husband and uh, one of the people on this trip warm up and become besties over music. <laughs> they bonded over music. I was like, you two go get a room. I mean, they both found out they love the Grateful Dead. And I think the whole time they were just like immersed in dead talk. And that was kind of cute. I was left out of it, but that's okay. He was happy. But, you know, try to find a common denominator to bond in conversation versus bare arms and fight. Uh, it's so important. Uh, you know, if someone doesn't want to be lectured, don't lecture them. And that also goes in relationships. If someone doesn't want to be, you know, have demands put in, you need, you know, my mother and I used to fight all the time. And it's sad because she died. Many of our conversations another reason I'm doing the show, were not conversations at all. They were arguments. And I feel really bad about that. Uh, It was a two-way street. She argued with me. I argued with her. And some of the things I learned is, particularly with people who are in a precarious health situation or elderly, they don't want to be told that they have to do something. You must do something. You have to do something. You can't do this. You can do this. You need to do this. They don't like to be told that because they feel that you are taking over their lives and bossing them around. And I had to learn to change the conversation. And it was not easy because half the time I was so angry with her for not doing something. I just wanted to say, but you got to do this. You need to. And she would just shoot right back and it become an argument. And boy, if I do have one regret is I wish we'd had more conversations and fewer arguments. Just remember that. Fewer arguments, more conversations. You want to remember the good conversations and not the fights. So the best way to avoid those is don't don't have a conversation telling people what to do or telling them what you think they need to do or saying they have to do something. You need to do something. You must. My husband's the same way. Instead, turn it into a conversation. How would you feel if we did this? Uh, would you feel this might be helpful for you? How can we make you feel more comfortable? Uh, I understand you need to take medication or have a bath or you may need some help. How can we make this easy for you? Uh, Let them take the upper road to say, yes, I want to do this. Yes, I need the pill. Yes, I need the bath. Yes, I need this. Yes, I want my physical therapy. Um, Or in the case of a spouse, yes, I'd like to go to that show, even though I hate theater, but I know how much you love theater. Or yes, I'd love to go to the sports game and go skiing with you on your birthday, even though I don't know how to ski. I'd be happy to do it. And while we're at it, why don't we have an adventure that neither of us have had before? 
I'm doing that for my husband's 60th. He wants to go skiing. I can't ski at all. I'll be alone. He'll be with his friend skiing. I'll be sitting there a play all day. I'll be a play all day. So I've already concocted the plan that we'll go skiing. It'll be his birthday. It's going to be amazing. He's going to get his wish. But then we're going to go have an adventure that neither of us had, like go see the Northern Lights. So always find a way to turn the conversation from an argument or a confrontation into something that's communicate a good communication. So important because you don't want to regret words. You don't want to regret conversations. You don't want to wish that you had a conversation with someone and now it's too late. And that leads me to the final uh, point of this is it's okay to have silence as well. Sometimes people may not want to talk. Sometimes it's not the time to talk. And it's okay to have a silent conversation. So what is that? Well, as my mother lay dying and was no longer able to communicate, which was devastating because her entire life was built around speaking and giving and teaching speaking and communicating. And then one day, sadly, she woke up and was unable to speak at all. And I knew that was when it was over, but I knew she could hear. So when the conversation is people are unable to speak or there is no words you can say, maybe you just can't verbalize yourself for whatever reason. Maybe your heart is breaking. Maybe you're uncomfortable. Maybe you just don't know what to say. Then don't say anything. Somebody's been diagnosed with breast cancer or a horrible disease or lost someone. Say, I wish I could have words to comfort you, but I'm at a loss right now. But know that you are in my thoughts and in my prayers and in my heart. You don't have to say anything else. You don't need to babble on. You don't need to say anything else. So when my mother lay dying, we talked to her. We held her hand because conversation can also be uh, communication through touch. We played music. We sang. We did things so she could still hear, even though she could not speak. And sometimes just putting on a beautiful music that you know you both enjoy can be a kind of a listening conversation because you know you're both thinking about the music and you're thinking about how much you both enjoy the music. And it's like you don't have to say anything. Uh, That's when you don't need words. You just need a bond, a quiet bond. And that's a different form of conversation, but it is more of a communication bond. And I'm learning to do that more with my own husband. He likes to take walks listening to music. I like to take walks talking to him. And one day I realized he wasn't listening to me at all. So I realized that I wouldn't speak anymore. I would let him enjoy his music and I would get lost in my own thoughts and enjoy what was around me. And we would still be bonded and communicating by holding hands. And I think our walks are better for both of us now as a result, because I'm not annoyed that he's not listening. He's not annoyed that I won't shut up. And we both just walk and enjoy whatever's around us, whatever we're doing. So it's okay not to talk at all. It's okay just to listen. It's okay to pause. 
it's okay to say, I think it's time just, I want to be quiet. I appreciate your interest. I appreciate you wanting to see me or be with me, but I just want time to be alone and think, but I know you're there for me and thank you. Just always be gracious because conversations are about opening doors and opening minds and creating bonds. And we all have that in us. And we all have that ability. And you should never be fearful of having a voice and sharing what you have to say. Because your voice is a gift. And I think about my mom as she lay there no longer able to speak. And she lost one of the greatest gifts she had. And it made me sad. And it made me promise to be a better conversationalist and a better communicator and a better listener. Through words, through touch, through sound, through thoughts, through writing, and hopefully through this show. So I hope you've listened. I hope you'll give it some thought. I hope you'll go to someone today and say, I've enjoyed, I've always wanted to meet you. Pick up the phone and call someone and say, I've been thinking about you. How are you doing? When your children come home or your husband or your friend, say, how was your day? Let's sit down and have a chat. Let's, let's just catch up. Get off the computer, get off the phone, get off the text, get off social media, get off whatever. And do that. Sit down and write someone a note. I'm writing a lot of thank you letters right now. Long thank you letters, not just thanks for your gift, thanks for your donation. I always say my mother always liked this or always enjoyed being with you because of your conversations. Just take more time because you don't know how much time you have left and you don't know how much time the person you're with will have. So enjoy the conversation and the communication and the companionship while you have it. You'll never regret it. I'm Melanie Young and this is Fearless Fabulous You. You always have the choice to live life on your terms as you choose. Even when life throws you curveballs, you learn to toss them back. You learn to take your roadblocks and turning them into stepping stones and you just keep moving forward and always be fearless and fabulous. Thank you. Thank you.